Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. When I was younger, I worked at the movie theater, and I'd get home often fairly late. And there wasn't much on TV, but there was a show that I used to watch. It was rather silly. It came on somewhere around midnight or after. It was very loosely based on a comic book and a cartoon series. So it had some aliens and a superhero and a bunch of, like I said, silly stuff. But it is something that one of the aliens, the silly aliens, said that I want to bring to your attention. I will quote him. It's about love, believe it or not. It's interesting how different people describe love or marriage and all things romantic. Some are crude, some are shy, some are insulting, and some are silly. This one is silly. Here's the quote. Love is a happy time. It's when the male part of the species goes to the female part of the species and says, hey, would you like to go on a date? And she says, why, yes, I would like to go on a date. <laughs> and so they go to a, to a place called a restaurant. And he gets a big piece of beef that he eats. And she gets something called a salad. That, to me, ladies and gentlemen, is love. Kind of makes you want to cry, doesn't it? <laughs> End quote. <laughs> I told you it was silly. Yet I bring all this up because our gospel reading today has to do with the imagery of marriage and love. Jesus uses it to make a point. But before we jump into the reading itself, I think it is appropriate and necessary to talk about this biblical social construct called marriage. You may not know this, but many of the things that are associated with a Christian marriage did not come from Christianity. If you know your church and biblical history, you know that the early Christians did not consider themselves anything other than Jews. They were Jewish. They were simply Jews who recognized Jesus as the promised Messiah and the fulfillment of Jewish prophecy. This is why Saints Peter and Paul and others would always go and preach in the synagogues first whenever they would enter into a town. That was the place they went to. There, there would be their fellow Jews and they would tell them of Jesus and how He fulfilled the Jewish law and the prophets. Some of them would believe. Others wouldn't. Some would welcome them and want to hear more. And they would gather on the Lord's Day, on Sunday, to hear more. Others would try to force them out or even try to kill them. Such is the life of an apostle, I suppose. Yet while our worship service, even today, 
is strongly patterned after the Jewish synagogue worship that the apostles in the early church witnessed and adapted. Our marriage ceremonies aren't patterned after Jewish rites and rituals, really, at all. Instead, they are patterned more after another strong influence on the early church, pagan Rome. Things like exchanging rings, exchanging vows, kissing the bride, and even having a marriage ceremony in a place of worship all came to us from the pagan Romans, not the Christian church. This doesn't mean these things are wrong. They are all very meaningful. They have been Christianized or baptized, if you like. And make marriage a very celebratory and momentous occasion for the entire church to celebrate. But for us to understand this parable of Jesus this morning, with the ten virgins waiting for the bridegroom, we cannot look to our own marriage practices and influences. Instead, we have to go back to our Jewish heritage. Jesus was, after all, a Jew. But for us to do this, we go into a, almost a foreign realm. A place where marriage is something different than what we have been taught, or, as, or even as is reflected by some silly aliens. In the Jewish world, there was no such thing as dating. E-harmony did not exist. Instead, the matchmakers were mom and dad. That's right, mom and dad would pick whom you would marry. In our world, we would say, ha-ha, no way. I would only marry someone who I love. <laughs> you silly pagan Romans. <laughs> Biblically, marriage came first, and love grew over time. There was a commitment involved. The two would become one, and out of that would grow love and a relationship. Most Jews, especially young ladies, were married in their early to mid-teens. Mom and dad, in their wisdom and years of experience and watchful eye, had already selected the best candidate and talked with the parents. Arrangements would be made. The bridegroom's parents would give money to the father of the bride to compensate him for the loss of part of his household. This in Hebrew, it was called a mohar. Not all that significant to us, is it? Mohar. Sometimes her parents would give her part of the mohar to help her set up her new household. This was called the matan, or what we would call a dowry. The two young people would be brought together and would be betrothed. This is where the story of Mary and Joseph begins, if you remember. Mary ends up pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph is troubled and contemplates divorcing her, even though they had not yet been married. 
they were betrothed. Betrothal was a binding, legal, contractual agreement. And in order to get out of it, Joseph would have had to have legally broken that contract, divorced her. And that was exactly what he was considering doing. Thankfully, he didn't. Otherwise, Scripture would not have been fulfilled because Jesus would not have been born in Joseph's hometown of Bethlehem. So Joseph was important to the fulfillment of Scripture. The raising of the God-child and the protection and care of Mary and their family. So once a couple was betrothed, the bridegroom would then begin building a home for him and his soon-to-be bride. Many times the new home was built near or even on the parents' home. Jesus uses Jewish marriage imagery a lot. Remember when he said, in my father's house are many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. He was speaking as the bridegroom to his bride, the church, you and me. You are his betrothed. You have been sealed as his own in the waters of holy baptism. The same Holy Spirit that came upon Mary and gave to her the Christ child to bear came to you in those precious waters and gave Christ to you. You are the betrothed of Jesus. He has claimed you. You are his and he is yours. So in our reading today, we have the story of the ten virgins or the ten young women. It can be translated either way. They are waiting for the bridegroom to come and to collect his bride. He has already gone and prepared a place for her. They do not know when he is coming. They just know that he is coming. And so they do their best to be ready. They make preparations. They get their lamps and they go and they wait. They watched for the bridegroom. Now, he would probably be really hard to miss in all actuality because it would be something like a parade. This was a joyous occasion. He would be dressed in wedding garments, possibly riding on a litter being carried as his friends accompanied him. The bride's maids, the ten virgins, would go out and call the bride and they would escort her out to meet him. They did not want to miss him and to let down their friend. Yet five of these young women were not as prepared as they should have been. They did not have enough oil to keep their lamps lit. They asked the others to borrow some of their uh, oil. Yet these others denied their request, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. We're not going to miss this. Yet while they were gone, the bridegroom did come. Those who had been prepared went into the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Kind of makes me think of Noah and the ark. God shut 
the door of the ark, and those inside were saved. Watch, therefore, says Jesus, for you know neither the day nor the hour. As Lutheran Christians, we do not look for the signs of the times. Our goal is not to look for when Jesus, our bridegroom, will be coming. Our goal is simply this, to be ready when He does come, whenever that may be, in the night, like a thief, in the twinkling of an eye, whenever He comes, we will be ready. We should not be caught off guard. So here we are, we wait, impatiently, but we wait. We wait, excitedly, as we wait. We wait, full of hope, yet we wait. like five young girls waiting for the young man to come over the hill with his friends to collect his beloved and to take her home. We wait. But God has not left us to wait for him to come again and to take us to himself without giving us something here and now. He has given us gifts, a a dowry, if you will. When we come to church, it is an exercise in our preparedness. It is filling our lamp with oil. It is filling our hearts with faith. It is basking in the promises of the one who said he will come and get us, our Savior. It shows our eager anticipation for the arrival of our bridegroom. And He gives us gifts, His Word read, taught, and preached. Spoken by you in the liturgy and by me. Spoken back and forth one to another. And we speak it to God. And He speaks it to us. We are communicating today with our bridegroom. We remember our baptism. Another gift, the betrothal contract. We remind ourselves to whom we belong. We remember who has claimed us and made us his own, who has given us his promises. And he promises never to leave us or forsake us. He promises to protect us. He has even laid down his life for us, so that we might live, so that we might have life and have it abundantly. He gives to us a foretaste of the marriage feast in His kingdom, which has no end. In it, He not only gives us the gifts of faith and forgiveness, but He gives us Himself. He is not absent. It is not simply a memorial meal. This is a feast, a marriage feast with our bridegroom. In all of these things and more, He shows us that He is truly present. 
that His gifts are real, and that His love for you is real. And when we have all of that, I think it's easy for us to be prepared, to wait expectantly, joyously, excitedly. It's easy for us to fill up our lamps with oil because every Sunday, He does the filling. We don't have to go look for it anywhere else. We don't go to the merchants. It's right here. And it's for you. For you. And that, to me, ladies and gentlemen, is love. Kind of makes you want to cry, doesn't it? Amen. Amen. And now may the peace that passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.